Welcome to our Lead to Succeed podcast, where we share leadership and business growth insights, both from our own experiences and that of our guests. We're the hosts. I'm Rebecca Jenkins, founder of Argen, helping companies to grow by finding, gaining and growing the best clients. And I'm Callum, sharing my perspectives from both being an entrepreneur and working in a variety of different companies. Whether you lead a team or a business, you'll find practical tips, inspirational insights and ideas as we discuss a wide range of leadership topics. So with that, here's today's episode. So welcome everyone, welcome to our listeners. And I'd like to introduce you to our guest today, who is Ahmed Abdullah. And Ahmed is the CEO and founder of Digifarm. He's also a health economist and he's an advisor at UNCFAT. And Digifarm, which we're going to hear more about, I'm sure, is on a mission to accelerate the transformation to value-based healthcare, which sounds very interesting indeed. So big welcome to you, Ahmed. And would you like to start with a brief introduction to yourself? Uh, thanks for having me, uh, Rebecca. So yeah, I'm uh, um, a health economist by trade, um, and then founded Digifarm, which focuses on on helping healthcare organisations pay for performance. Um, and just to give you a, a analogy, really, for for the listeners, I mean, if you imagine a situation when you've gone to get a a car or a watch repaired or something like this, and it couldn't be fixed, you know typically you're not expected to pay to pay for that for that work really um, whereas in healthcare if you have a situation where you receive bad advice from a doctor or you're provided a high cost drug that doesn't benefit you somebody's still expected to pay which has created you know an unsustainable health economy and, and you know that's something we're, we're trying to solve well, making it performance-based will resonate with many of our listeners who are, you know, leading businesses or, you know, have their own company, and we, we are all focused on performance and the results. So that sounds really interesting, and love to share a bit more about, love you to share a little bit more about that as we go through the questions. But let's kick off with the first question: What does great leadership mean to you? Um, I think it it is obviously a lot of areas to it but in terms of my experiences i think it's it's been um something that initially starts with a lot of courage at the start so for example you know uh, using my experiences and trying to support a new business model within a risk averse industry with new technologies and things like that um requires a lot of you know uh courage to jump in and, and try and make a change um, I also think the next step is then really having this this strong self-awareness understanding what you can and can't do yourself and, and to get the right support around you um, and I think that's that's a, a key thing to start and then after that is obviously having the the key the key traits of, of being able to com- communicate with with stakeholders in the right way try to get your message across to all the different stakeholders to to get them on board with you whether they're team members whether they're customers even whether they're your family if you need them to support you really you know so i'd say that there's a, there's a lot of areas and um i i think they all stem from each other essentially and which 
which one of those has been the one that you've had to develop the fastest? Which of those leadership skills have you really had to kind of pick up, really run with, really develop quickly? I mean, you talk about being in a risk adverse um, industry, which I recognize um, with what you do. Mm -hmm. So has it been that courage, which is the one that you've had to kind of really, you know, develop? Or is that something that was already in, you know, innate in you? I think that's something that that's quite innate in me anyway. In terms of things I had to improve and develop personally are probably things like communication and and, and um, being able to um, you know get my message across, get my value proposition across to different stakeholders. Um, I'd say one thing that I have developed but it would have been great to probably, you know, have it from the start. There's a lot of patience and, and, and understand how long some of these things take. As an entrepreneur, you, you take risks, you leave your job, you stop taking a salary with certain expectations. Whereas the reality is there's a lot more graft and hard work than, than people expect, you know. People probably expect entrepreneurs to work hard, but maybe do not realize how much it requires and how much patient it, patience it requires as well um so that's definitely something that that's something i wish i i, I knew or had from the start but it's something i've definitely developed well i think um for you when we talked about just be, before we pressed the record button we were talking about you winning a new piece of business mm -hmm. uh, with the nhs Mm -hmm. and that has probably taken a lot of time to get to that place because I would imagine the decision-making process for that has been a little bit long-winded, maybe a little bit slow. And Yeah, definitely. I think generally within this sphere, within healthcare, the lead times are, are quite huge. We're an organisation that's not just, uh, you know, a, a simple patient application or processing simple data points. We're also working on the payment side and the whole commissioning and procurement side as well. So there are a lot of, you know, cogs that need to fall into place and, and run seamlessly. And that requires endless levels of preparation, information governance and things like that. So you need to be, I think, um, you know, one of the things that, that, that I've had is, is a huge learning curve. And you need to be open to that. You need to understand that. You might come to a, a market with an idea, but essentially what you think the product should look like and what the customer wants or needs are slightly different. So you always need to uh, be flexible and open. And that's something I've, I've tried to always be as well. Now, how many people do you have in your team and, and what year did you start your business? So I actually started the the. the the project in 2017 and then started it full time then in 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 summer 2018 um, we have a leadership team of, of, of four to five people which is the the c-suite however then we have a a team of, of, of developers and contractors um, that that reaches just under 20 people okay well, you, you mentioned hard work and that goes with being entrepreneurial but you say it goes well beyond that what i'd like to just explore with you in you growing and developing your business and being the leader of it what have been the real big challenges that you've had to face 
And how have you dealt with those? Um, <clears throat> so I'd say well, there's a few that stick out to mind. I'd say one of the biggest issues was probably when starting the the project and, and organization is probably um, you know some of the difficulties we initially had with initial partners and co-founders and things like this um, which resulted in issues around financing IP and stuff like that um, and one of the biggest you know uh, lessons I took from that is don't rush into things especially at the start of a project by um, giving certain people certain roles where you know they may not have experienced in the past or you know essentially you know for example choosing a friend to co-found a company just you know because of that because you know them rather than from what they've done in the past or what they've delivered in the past I think that's that's a big issue you know not rushing um, the sharing of ideas to external parties and third bodies and things like that without having your you know um, the uh, you know the legalities and ND and you know really secure NDAs in place and stuff like that that's also been huge and you know having those setbacks um, didn't just impact the short term they did have quite a, a, a longer term impact when you're trying to rebuild the team refinance certain aspects of, of, of a project as well. Um, so that was, you know, a huge stumbling block. But again, with that, you have to remain patient and, and, and just keep plugging away because you will get to a point where there are people who are interested in what you do and are willing to help you. Um, you know, so we overcome that by joining different accelerators, um, you know, completely reforming our recruitment process as well. Um, employing a legal advisor and legal counsel directly to represent us you know at, at at any time we wish and you know even setting up an agreement with that legal representative that doesn't cost that four or five hundred pounds an hour every time you know you want to ask a question really so these are things that that, that came out of it really helped us reshape and, and rebuild the business and uh, another area i'd say where we had did have some issues, especially at the start, and nearly every organization goes through it, is, is that funding issue. You know, how are you going to meet demand or grow your commercialization processes with such limited resources? Um, you know, you learn to eliminate things that waste your time. Um, really, uh, you know, have a, a lean operating model, essentially do what you need to do right now. And for example, you know, I've one thing that, you know, what my CTO always said is that in the past when he was extremely stressed that he would often, for example, just completely delete his to-do list if it's really piled up and, and that enabled him to focus on what he needed to do right there and then that would make him move forward rather than having a huge to-do list that, you know, is often a burden on the mind of, 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 of any individual really because they've got so many things to get through. I think that's a nice advice and one advice um, I had I give on to-do lists is have a do not do list and so it keeps you focused on what's important and not being distracted by things that aren't important. Yeah yeah no I think, I think that's definitely a, a huge thing you have limited time as, as, a, as, a, as a founder or a leader and you need to make sure that any energy you have is expended on, on, on things that bring value to you. There are things that you that may that you may think bring value, 
but in the long term they don't. So that's again important to have that that good team and support structure around you where you can bounce ideas off off them. You, you talked just now about having people perhaps that weren't quite the right fit for the roles that you had, which would have led to difficult conversations. And that is something that goes with being a leader. You have to face into those difficult conversations. How, what advice would you give to leaders who are preparing to have difficult conversations with people or putting off difficult conversations, but know they need to have them? So what advice would you give there? I think that's probably the worst thing you can do is, is putting off some of these conversations. Um, I've done it in the past. Um, not addressed certain things, brushed some things under the carpet. Um, and a lot of the time when you do, when it uh, you know, finally comes to addressing these issues, because it's, it's typically because it's gone way too far. And a lot of the time, some of the issues you can't repair. So definitely whenever there is any outstanding issues and niggles, you have to be completely honest and straightforward with any of these, part, any of these whether they're people or clients or partners or whoever it may be, and, and really try and address it as soon as possible. Because in my experience, I've never seen or rarely seen any of these issues resolve themselves without being addressed very, very quickly. And that's something that I think is, is, is key. And often as, as new founders or if, if somebody's leading a team for the first time, often they're scared or, or apprehensive to, to really, you know, um, raise some of these issues. And again, it's all about, you know, improving your communication, realizing that you're there to, to do a job and there's people relying on you. And it's not just about you being comfortable with, you know, letting things slide and stuff like that, that you're actually here to do a job. And at the end of the day, you know, you know, the term is business is business and you have to, you have to take that approach all the time. I think it can be, um, yeah, you, I, I agree with you completely. You've got to get these issues out in the open and address them as quickly as possible. Otherwise, you know, they go on and people will wonder why you're not taking action on them because generally everybody else can see that the decision needs to be made and that you need you need to take it. When, when you mentioned earlier on that improving communication has been a big area for you and setting out your proposition and having different messages for different stakeholders, what have been the key learnings for you as a leader in that? Um, I would say so. Me, I'm 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 an introvert, you know, by nature. Um, I'm I'm not somebody who, um, for example, would go around the office high fiving everyone and doing things like that. And and you know, I'm not a, a huge fan of you know a lot of the um, you know a lot of the warm and cuddly type of atmosphere within work it's just it's just not something I've, I've you know that was in my nature so that's something I I've, I've developed to have a lot more empathy um, with, with with a lot of employees and, and and people we work with trying to build that rapport making sure that people are you know um, really buying into the vision and, and really feel that they're part of something rather than um, you know just being a a service provider or something like that. I think that's something that I've really improved on, uh, the ability to, you know, really present and and become a, a better presenter. 
um, I was somebody that, you know, working within the pharma industry or the healthcare industries um, as a health econo economist and stuck in front of Excel for 30, 40% of my working week, it, it wasn't something that I was doing all the time. So that, you know, being thrown into a situation where I was probably pitching 20 to 25 times a week to different people with different backgrounds, that, that also accelerated my development from that point of view. Um, so that was, uh, you know, also uh, uh, extremely beneficial for my development as well, longer term. Um, you know, in a few years, if I'm still doing this role or doing something else, it's, some, it's something that I've, I've, I've hugely benefited from. But in all of those learnings, I mean, those two key areas that you've just touched on, where you've had to learn, you've had to develop, are there any messages in that that you would want to share with people leading a business in leadership roles um, that would help them going forward? There must be things that you've learned from that experience that have helped you that you could share with others. Yeah, well, I would say, uh, you know, being a visionary isn't enough. At, at, at the end of the day, you can have great ideas on paper. You can have, you know, you can, you can develop a, a really awesome solution. But if you're not able to get people on board, by, by improving your communication skills and, and um, getting the right support from your team members, investors, users, then you're typically you know, going to fall flat in your face. So you really need to make sure that um, once you have your vision, you have your goals set out and you have your business plan set out, the next thing is, is to then communicate that to the world uh, in, in the right way. Um, and that's something, you know, I, I, I've, I've, I've learned and, and developed rather than, you know, being born with it, which some people are. And when we, you, you mentioned about working with your team to make them feel really engaged in the business and accepting that, you know, you are, you've had to develop the empathy side of you. You have to be more empathetic with your team. Actually, how have you done that? Um, a lot of the times it's, it's typically by, you know, learning from people around me and observing them, people who have these, these good social and communication skills, um, also training, working on it, um, you know, working with certain accelerators that we're part of, we've made sure that, you know, I've highlighted these issues before entering some of these programs and made sure that these are programs that will benefit me for uh, and help address my weaknesses. So that self-awareness is huge. Um, I think if, if, if you, you, you recognize some of your shortfalls as, as, uh, as a leader or as a business person or as an individual in general, you can then actually put in, uh, you know, uh, certain steps to, to, to address these. And, and I think that's something um, I, I've tried to do proactively. And, and has that self-awareness um, been a skill that you've had to develop? Did it need somebody to point it out to you? Um, no, not really. I, I think I, I'm someone that if, if there is a shortage in, 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 in a skill set in a certain area, I do try and address it. Um, it it's something that niggles at me inside, you know, um, you know, I'm not sure if everyone has that or they, you know, so for me, for example, if, 
if I don't understand uh, something around uh, the technology we're using or anything like that, then I'll try and actually go out and, and seek some sort of course or training to try and understand that. Because when I'm working with my developers, I want to make sure that I, you know, understand, uh, you know, what they're saying from minute zero to minute 60 in an hour meeting. Um, if I'm talking to people on, uh, you know, who, who are dedicated to sales, you know, I'll, I'll try and educate myself on, on, on different sales strategies and things like this. So I think it's, um, you know, wanting to be the best uh, at, at what you're doing and then taking taking action. Um, you know, it's always never enough to, for example, do a course and you're not really interested in, in actually learning or taking those learnings on. And at the same time, you know, um, it's not enough to just recognize your issues without addressing them. So you need to do both, otherwise you're not gonna improve. Um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And you've been very open in sort of sharing your, your insights and your where you feel you have strengths and where you've had to develop strengths. What um, advice would you give to people stepping into a leadership role? What practical advice would you give them from all of your learning? Um, <clears throat> so if, if someone's new to, you know, managing a team or, or leading an organization is um, to try and learn from those who've done it before. It's, it's not something that's, that's new or novel. Um, a lot of people have experiences, um, you know, as entrepreneurs, managing teams, for example, listening to podcasts like yours, which are, you know, extremely, extremely helpful, even for people who have now been in such positions for a number of years as well. And, and um, I'd say the resources are there for, for, for people who, who want to learn and develop. And I think to, you know, to, you know, actually go out there and, and, and watch YouTube videos, uh, download something on Spotify, you know, in your spare time and, and use your spare time to, to develop yourself. And often doing that can actually give you um, a, a feeling of, of, of like comfort and rest, you know, rather than having a physical rest, mentally, you, you have a lot more assurance in what you're doing. Um, and that's something that, that is often, you know, overlooked. You know, education can actually, you know, help you mentally and be more comfortable in your position and, and, and you know, um, remove anxiety and stuff like this. Well, that's such a good point and such a great perspective, I think, to, to bring because everybody, more or less, on our podcast, um, the leaders always say we're always learning. Yeah. We, we always have more to achieve, always have more to learn. But I haven't seen it from that perspective. I think that's a really nice perspective to say gives you some reassurance it gives you a framework mm -hmm. and how that can just help to eliminate any stress or anxiety but you are on track or you need to make a few subtle changes mm -hmm. here and there just by listening to reading books or listening to to um what other people have said and do so i think that's a great perspective to share yeah it helps with things like you know imposter syndrome or if you're worried about you know certain things um you know honestly the, the when you educate yourself in certain areas and things like this you enter meetings a lot more confident you'll be um for example if if, if i'm worried or concerned about how you know um, certain technical development 
is going in the near future, I can actually go outside, uh, uh, sorry, go and, and educate myself on what needs to be done, what has worked for other organizations in the past, what hasn't, and that gives you that, that you know, that, that, that mental, uh, you know, relaxation really, which is, which is huge for, especially when you're decision making, you don't want to be making decisions or, or, or um, or doing th- doing anything uh, like that that could have a big impact when you're when you're stressed and education goes a long way to address that really. Yeah, somebody gave me a great analogy on that the other day that you know when you're gripping something very tightly and you're kind of all stressed up and mm-hmm. you're like a, a coil very tightly coiled up, mm-hmm. you, you can't make decisions when you're like that. You need to be open and relaxed, and um, yeah. so I agree with that point completely. Mm-hmm. I'd say you know w- one area where I learned the importance of that personally is also things like you know trading, um, whether it's stock market, cryptocurrencies, whatever it may be. When you go into a situation where you're, you're not educating yourself, you're not understanding certain things, and you're very tense, you can make wrong decisions, and they will have an impact that that could be lasting, and some of them could be very detrimental. And you know, if you if you, if you go into that same situation another time when you're educated, you're calm, you understand what can and can't happen, and 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 you understand your positioning within that situation, um, and having that self confidence is, is 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 critical. So you have a, a big vision for the business. What inspires you to keep going to achieve that vision? Where do you get that? inspiration from yeah i i think um for us in healthcare often it's not that difficult to to have that drive um because we see you know the day-to-day impact of 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 inefficiencies let's say within the system and how they impact people around us on a day-to-day basis um you know um have friends family members that are impacted by healthcare and how it's provided on a day-to-day basis and and that's something that makes it quite easy um and that's generally where i i probably get my main motivation from i'm somebody that you know is i won't say i won't say i get upset or angry when i see um for example uh inefficiencies within certain processes but it frustrates me that these have not been addressed and while they haven't been addressed, I think it's 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 my responsibility to to you know develop something that can you know uh, overcome these issues. Did that start when you were as being a health economist? Is that where this whole kind of vision for you stemmed from? Because you saw it so much in that role that you had previously, and that spurred you on to do something. I'd, I'd say partly. I think generally, I'm I'm somebody that um can be impatient if something takes longer than i think it should or technically in my head it doesn't make sense why something is taking longer than it should um it's it's something that often you know frustrated me at times and when it started to um when i or, or or when my understanding of some of these processes and why they took so long didn't make sense when you apply to the context of life-saving therapies and stuff like this, then it was like, look, you know, um, there are multi, there are multi-billion dollar organizations here interacting. And 
it's still taking 12, 18 months to negotiate a price for a drug, for example, when you have all the relevant data there, but it, now it's just a point of organizations agreeing or people have making subjective decisions and stuff like this. And what, what drove me then to, to, you know, start the DigiFarm project is the fact that when you have objective data available that can eliminate these delays for the benefit of, of patients and, and social and societal well-being, that, you know, that's something that, you know, really drove me to, to do something about it. And that's something that continues to spur you on, even in those challenging moments when you feel, you know, oh my goodness, how much long is it going to take? That spurs you on and keeps you going. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, the opportunity to, to make a, a massive impact is still there, even after COVID, even after people are realizing the importance of healthcare and the inefficiencies within global health economies. Um, it's it, it's still there, and it's it's going to be you know a few a few more years, maybe decades, until everything is 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 is, is improved. So you know that's definitely a, a key driver. Well, it is a considerable challenge, and one that I wish you all the best with in terms of making a lot of progress and inroads into making those changes. I have limited knowledge of the health sector, but I do know that there is inefficiency and there's room for improvement. So. Yeah, I'm sure all our listeners will be supporting you with wishing you every success with that. Oh, thanks. thanks a lot. Before we come to a close and time has sped, I've got two final questions for you. Well, the first one is a question. The second one is the opportunity for you to perhaps talk about something that you're doing now that you'd like to share with our listeners. But the, the question is, what advice would you give your younger self about leadership knowing what you know now so in terms of uh, what advice i would give is essentially um take it slow at the start uh, not in terms of your vision or you know what or identifying the changes you want to make in the world but uh, you know take it slow in 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 the actual um, decision making of for example what team members to employ what strategies to take what you're going to spend money on what is what you may think is right at the start may not be the right thing to do so for example you could spend a lot of money on on developing a a certain part of a, a platform or you'll spend a lot of money on on on, on a marketing partnership or, or things like this at the start when you have money when you've just got funding when you may be a bit more blase with with you know trying to grow too fast too quick i'd say that's that's something that's huge and then also making sure that you know you have the right people supporting you the right advisory board the right legal advice um you know business is cutthroat at the end of the day um no matter how much you know um you might want to think people have the right intentions, um, but at, at, the, at the end of the day, you can you can't you can't really trust people as much as you would like, and that's something that I think is huge. And and beyond that, I think is just developing that self discipline and, and patience. I mean, it's it's not an it's it's very rarely an overnight success. Sometimes it is, and, and that's that's amazing for the people who are able to do that. But for 
a lot of the people uh, in the in 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 the real world um you know the majority of people i'd say more than 99 it's never the case so having that awareness taking things slow at the right time going faster when you need to and having that right support mechanism is is, is really huge thank you for sharing those and i agree with you that um, overnight success is often a long time coming <laughs> so. yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and thank you for for sharing everything that you've shared with us it's been a really fascinating um podcast discussion with you um what would you like to share is there any sort of exciting projects that you've got on at the moment or anything that you would like to share with our listeners it's your our chance to hand over to you yeah i think um so at, at digi farm especially we're working on on trying to make you know healthcare as a whole fairer uh, making sure that you know um fair prices are paid for the innovation that we see in the world, whether it's, um, you know, new drugs, new devices, new softwares that are being used as digital therapeutics and things like this. Um, and what I want to share is like, you know, that at Digifarm, we're, we're working in a way that wants to make everybody part of this new health economy. Uh, including patient reported outcomes patient reported feedback you know healthcare is becoming very patient centric but i feel like you know the rest of the world outside healthcare hasn't really been made aware of this yet and and that's something where we're looking to do we're deploying a new patient application where people you know like you who don't have that 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 big um insight into healthcare at the moment can actually be rewarded financially for sharing data and, and, and things like this, you know, using things like digital currencies and being part of these agreements between, you know, for example, big manufacturers and payers like the NHS or large insurance companies. And, and that's something, you know, we're looking to do. Um, so hopefully it, it, you know, it can bring a lot of benefit to, to a lot of people around the world. Thank you very much. Ahmed, it's been great to, to chat with you and getting some insights into your world and your life and your leadership style. So very inspiring. And thank you very much for sharing that with us. Thank you, Rebecca. Thanks for, thanks for the uh, wonderful conversation. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear how this podcast has impacted your leadership. And if any of these concepts resonate with you and you'd like to find out more about leadership and business growth, go to the RGM website, rjen.co.uk.